We're back with another rerun episode while TB and I take a two-week break. But we will be back with you, as usual, next week with our normal sparkling repartee and a fresh topic of debate. This week, our rerun episode is episode 54, Can You Make a Living from Lesbian Fiction? I hope you enjoy. Welcome to Lesbians Who Write with Claire Lydon and T.B. Markinson. Conversations about writing and lesbian fiction. Join us as we draw back the curtain on the writer's life. Hello and welcome to episode 54 of Lesbians Who Write. This week we're going to be asking, can you make a full-time living from lesbian fiction? Joining me, your host, Claire Lydon, is the one, the only, T.B. Markinson. Hello, T.B. How are you today? I'm doing well. During your introduction, I was like, I'm really glad Claire is responsible for keeping track of what episode we're on because we're getting to the big numbers and I would, I would, this would be an epic fail for me every single time. You know, did, did, did we mention our 52 hooray we've done it for a year? Did we mention that or did we miss it? Um, I think we briefly mentioned it, and I did include it in the blurb. Oh, good. So, good. And then I said, here's to the next year worth <laughs> of episodes. So is it 52 weeks in the year? All of a sudden, I'm thinking 56. Now I'm all screwed up. There are, there are 52 weeks in a year. But we're going to move on. <laughs> For also 365 days, fact fans. But anyway... <laughs> what have you been up to um, since we last spoke? Because it's been a couple of weeks, because I've been on holiday... You were on holiday, and I was very sad that you were gone because a you were gone, and b I had the flu from hell. <laughs> I just uh, there was about four or five days where um, I did the basic minimum work, where I had I just checked the email to make sure the websites were going, and then I was on the couch, like not moving much and um, whining a lot. I was doing a lot of whining, but I really handled it bravely. I took that email. <laughs> So now that now that I had those days because I am leaving this Friday to come your direction, I am scrambling to get all the work done that I didn't do while I was sick. So um, it has been a nonstop five day span where I'm getting up really early and not stopping work till really late at night. But I recently I had two victories recently. I sent off the first couple episodes of Girl Love Happens to my editor. The best thing I like about that project is since they're they're kind of set up like almost tv series so each season has episodes so i don't have to get the whole season done before i send to the editor i can send off the episodes which is nice because i can take it more piecemeal and it kind of takes the stress off me a bit and then i've also i've been cranking through the co-write with miranda mcleod my goal is to get the first draft done before i get on the plane Mm. so i have five more chapters to go (laughs) And it's Tuesday, and I'm leaving Friday, <laughs> so I have a lot of writing to do in the next couple days. The goal is to get the first draft done, so when I get on the plane, I can take that week and not think about it, because you do need a break in between drafts. I've been a writing machine, which is odd, because usually I only crank out 2,000 words a day, and I'm tripling that. And I don't know how. I just think it's the fear of the deadline. Do you have that in your head? You get the fear of the deadline, and the words just keep coming. 
Yeah, I think I, I do try and hit my deadlines. Uh, I was listening to a podcast today on the way up to the pound shop to get a lead for my new monitor setup. They didn't have it. I ended up paying £15 for the lead. God damn it. But anyway, that's another story, TB. But I was listening <laughs> to a very instructional podcast on pr- productivity in writing. And this woman was saying that she writes uh, eight, or her goal every day when she's on a first draft is 8,000 words in that first draft. Um, and then in the evening, she does that between the hours of 10 and 2. And then in the evening, if she's got like a spare hour, uh, she'll she'll write on a different project. So she's always got two projects on the go and she's got the 8,000 word project in the morning and the 1,000 word project on in the evening. And then by the time the 8,000 word project is complete, she's got like 10, 20,000 words of the of the secondary project. And then that be- switches around to become her primary project. And I was like, wow, I wonder if I could do that. <laughs> but then I was thinking, <laughs> Claire, you've been doing this nearly six years. Have you ever done that? Does the thought of that fill you with happy, happy sunshine? No. Do you know what did fill me with happy sunshine? Going on holiday and sitting in the sunshine, TB. I have a question for you because I we, I did, you know, kind of bet you, but we didn't actually make terms, so this is a lame bet. But I'm going to go for it anyway. I bet that you would not come back with any tan or anything. Was I right or wrong? Well, not quite right, I've got to tell you. Uh, I don't understand. I'm a pretty black and white person. Yes or no, Claire? <laughs> um, well, I do not tan, uh, famously. Uh, my nickname is Lil, Lily White Skin. I put on Factor 30 everywhere, I thought. But then, clearly, I didn't put it everywhere. Uh, now, you know, if you have a swimsuit on, you normally get those... You normally get burnt around your underarms, don't you? Or the tips yes. of your ears. I think I probably did burn the tips of my ears. But I put it on my face and my neck and my shoulders and my arms. But I burnt my knees. Uh, it was. It's a very British thing to do. My, my friend said I had a mum tan because I had a, a line where my shorts were. And my knees were burnt from like just above the top to just underneath. <laughs> but I really didn't... the tips of your ears. Yeah, I managed to, yeah. I've never done that. I've, I've done like my scalp sometimes, like where the part is, because mm. I forget that's actually skin as well. <laughs> <laughs> if I don't wear a hat. Yeah, but... It takes um, it, Yeah, uh, that's quite common. But I do normally put uh, cream on my ears and all over my legs. But I think for some reason, because it was, you know, February, I was thinking, how could you can't get burnt in February? I can, you know, so I've got very sensitive skin. Anyway, back to your um, word count. I, I think that's commendable you're doing six thousand words uh, a day and are you feeling better now i am feeling much better i i'm glad i did kind of take those days off because i was sick and i was like you know you can kind of half-ass it through the day and just keep making yourself worse or you can just take the time you need and get better because i didn't want to ruin the trip to london so i am feeling much better but um i'm i'm glad that this week is coming to a close soon so I can put this chapter behind me <laughs> and then, but what was the name of that author you said that does 8,000 and then the additional 1,000 in the evening with her spare time uh, the podcast was The Spa Girls which is a podcast I recommend uh, it's for romance writers in New Zealand and it's the spa stands for self-publishing authors so they're not sat in a spa in robes they're actually talking about self-publishing but they do it weekly and they interview quite interesting uh, people that, and they've 
normally got I've I've learned quite a lot from that podcast and this woman's called Alana Johnson so I've never heard of her before um and she writes cowboy romance so nothing oh. I, nothing I would read either but she was talking you know crazy numbers of like today she's just on a seven book series and uh, she got 1800 pre-orders on one of the books uh, in the series so that's quite that's quite big numbers uh and yeah that's how she writes uh, she does like six seven books a year so crazy productive do you think every time she sits at her desk, she says, giddy up? <laughs> Do you know what? I'm, I hope she does. <laughs> that, would, <laughs> that would please me. <laughs> All right. So what else has been going on in your life besides burning your kneecaps and um, traveling? How was the traveling? Mm, it was good. Um, I've come back not with coronavirus, I hope. But, you know, one can only hope. You know, when we got off the plane, we were on the same baggage carousel as a flight from Milan. So, <laughs> but, you know... What will be will be. I'm very sanguine about these things. Uh, but yes, the holiday itself was fabulous. It was very relaxing. Um, I did do a mail out from Mallorca. So I wrote that while I was there. But apart from that, I did nothing. I, I took my laptop, obviously. And uh, so I needed it for that. But I thought, hey, maybe I will do some writing. But no, I decided not to. And it was just nice. We had a couple of days by the pool. We went walking a couple of days, hung out with lots of friends. It was lovely. So I've come back. Excellent. Yeah, I've come back feeling actually I had a holiday and it was great and uh, I feel quite I feel quite refreshed if a little bit fluey. So but I'm not I'm not going to dwell on that. And <laughs> and it's now your luggage is full. <laughs> and now I'm into launch week. Yay! Woohoo! So um on the plus side, uh, while I was away I got a lot of um emails from my art team saying how much they enjoyed the book. So that's good news. Um, and I think, do you know, I put in an extra step. I'm not sure if I mentioned this, but when it comes back from editor, I put the corrections in and then I normally send it straight to four or five trusted readers. Well, this time around, for some reason, I read it through again on Kindle and I picked up a lot of stuff. And it's actually a step that I'm going to do from now on. It adds two more, day, two more days to the process, but I think it's really worthwhile. Obviously, I've got one more read through to do, which is the print proof uh, read through and I, that just got typeset today so t- um, tonight and tomorrow is my read it through one final time and put all the last minute corrections in but I think I got a lot less corrections through from people um, and even some of my art team spotted nothing even though there were a few wow. things but you know they they were pretty there were noticeably fewer things so I think I'm going to add that step in Oh, yeah, I have a question. So I know you put it on your Kindle a few times or a couple times. Mm. So does this mean it's going to your Kindle three separate times now? Uh, It's going to my Kindle twice. So what I do is first draft, then I read it through on screen and um, make all the corrections and and do all the second draft stuff, fill in the details. And then I send it to my Kindle. And that's when I had the 500 notes. And then I put all those corrections in and then I send it to my first reader's and put their corrections in, and then I send it to my editor, and then it comes back from my editor, and then I normally send it straight out to my first five readers, but this time I put send it to my Kindle, and it was worthwhile. And then what are you reading tonight? How are you reading it? Oh, so I'll print out on my new printer. Oh, yes, print I'll, out. Okay, so I'll that's be printing where I, out. I just assumed you were sending it back to your Kindle because oh, I am no. not used to you being in the printer <laughs> um, technology age. <laughs> You know, normally I would go to the library and print it out. <laughs> you went to the library to print out books? Yeah. Why didn't you just get a printer? It was like 30 quid. 
How much was your printer? Because I've got a printer and I need to get rid of that printer before I bought this one, but I haven't. Anyway, so I've got a printer now. So, uh, yeah, so that's the final steps. So I'm hoping to be uploading at the end of the week. Uh, Official launch date is March the 10th, so it's getting closer. And so it will be good uh, to do that. But I'm feeling quite relaxed about um, this now. You know what I mean? I'm sanguine at the moment. What'll be will be, TB. Very British of you. Just carry on. (laughs) The future's not up to me. Que sera, sera. Other than that... (laughs) I went to a coffee shop this morning um, in a bid to get some uh, wires for my new setup. So I'm nearly set up. And I uh, went to a coffee shop on the way and I wrote another 1,500 words on my Christmas book. So a bit like you, I, I kind of like, I had a deadline for it. And I've, you know, you said, are you um, strict about deadlines? Well, when my editor deadline is not till October the 12th for this one, it's difficult Ooh. It's difficult to be strict about deadlines. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a very fluid deadline. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, well, I can you push can it. like one page a day. I can push it out. <laughs> but I know that books are better if you write it quickly, you know, at least the first draft, and then you've got something that you can edit. Um but I did reread this one before I went on holiday uh, with the view to that I might um, start again on holiday, but I didn't. But I was quite pleased with what I've done so far. So, you know, there are bits that I'll need to change and stuff, but uh, it's pretty OK. It's in pretty good shape for a first draft. So, you know, still a bit rubbish, but it's OK. Now I'm thinking, can I get that draft done before you arrive? You've inspired me, but then I'm thinking, no, Claire, you've got to launch a book. Probably not, is the answer. <laughs> But, you know, give it a go, right? 8,000 a day and in, in the evening, start a whole new project. Yeah. Uh, we should say, of course, that when this comes out, it's going to be March the 9th and uh, my book will be out. Woohoo! So, uh, I thought it was launching on the 10th. Well, yeah, it will be launching on the 10th. God, why do you have to confuse me? I'm already confused on my own. You don't have to add to the confusion, Claire. You're just fucking with me now. But, you know, if you might be listening on the 10th, or maybe even the 11th, or the 12th, you might be listening on April 22nd. Wouldn't that be weird if you are listening on April 22nd? This one is for you. And if you haven't uh, read Before You Say I Do, you really should. Do you want me yeah, to Yeah, and if you're listening on March 10th, 2026, definitely get the book. <laughs> Would you like me to send you a copy? You haven't asked for this one. <laughs> yes, yes, I would. That, oh, okay. That's very rude of me. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, I know. I thought, wow, she's not interested. <laughs> and the other thing I've been doing is prepping for your visit, TB, obviously, and um, and London Book Fair and self-publishing live. And uh, next week's going to be a very busy time uh, for us. And we're going to a country music gig as well. And we're going to Whitstable. It's all going on. Yes, and I might have a surprise in oh. store for you. Mm, I'll look forward well, to it. Yeah. Hopefully it's a good one. Hopefully it's not. I don't get the, the Claire scrunchy face. <laughs> uh, and I hoovered the stairs in uh, in preparation for you yesterday. So you hoovered it. Oh, you vacuumed. I've only been gone for like a year, and I'm like forgetting all like the stuff I learned was there. <laughs> I hoovered the stairs, and uh, at the moment, you're, the room you're um, sleeping in, the spare room, is probably the least tidy it's been in my life but that's because I had to move everything off my desk to try and get my set up so uh but it will be spotlessly clean by the time you arrive obviously well no worries because um my office right now is a disaster zone because I have stacks of paper everywhere because I am also 
prepping to do my taxes because what else what else would I do while trying to hammer out a book? Why not just do my taxes on top of that? Perfect planning on my part because I don't know tax day is April 15th every fucking year. <laughs> and the other thing I realise I haven't done is outline our joint book. Uh, that, that's been on my list for a while. So um, I will be trying to do that as well as filling my Christmas book and launch before you say I do. I don't see any issues with this plan, do you? I don't even know what to say to that. <laughs> we are just like prime examples of how not to run your writing business right now. <laughs> but we're still laughing, everyone. Right. Comments. Comment on to what you got. All right. We have some comments today. We First off, we have Carol from Lesbian Reviewed. Carol says we always brighten up her Mondays. At least our um, snafus when it comes to the writing business make other people smile. So yeah. that's that's one thing we should keep going. That's good. Uh, Mira uh, commented on episode 52, and I had asked if there was a, a nice gender-neutral phrase instead of don't be a dick. She came up with don't be an asshole. I'm surprised I didn't think of that myself because we all have them. So, <laughs> And sometimes we are all assholes when we least expect it. So, um, so I appreciate Mira coming up and saving us with the gender-neutral uh, slam. Thank you. We had a comment from Pam on Facebook. Pam loves the podcast and thinks we're the greatest. So, Pam, we think you're the greatest. Thank you. Thanks, Pam. Also, I should go back and say um, for Mira's comment, she said I should get my hands on the caravan story because I mentioned when I signed up for your newsletter, I did not get the caravan story. I'm pretty sure after we hung up that call, I figured out what happened is um, I probably didn't download it. Usually I try to download the attachments as soon as I get emails from authors so I can get the free book. Otherwise, I forget, and I'm pretty sure I forgot. So Okay. Well, I know that there was another comment, wasn't there, that somebody said that they didn't get it either. So if, if anybody wants the caravan story, um, let me know. Just email well, me. I was, uh, email. I was leading into that comment because Wind yeah. on episode 52 mentioned that uh, – Wind also mentioned that didn't receive the caravan story. So I don't know if, if – if Wind made the same error I did or if I just didn't, because sometimes the emails will go to your spam and you don't always check your spam email. Well, I think also there was probably an amount of time on my mailing list where I didn't wasn't offering uh, the Caravan story or the London Calling prequel. So uh, that maybe some people did sign up in that window of time and then they wouldn't have got it. So if you would like the Caravan story or the London Calling prequel and you haven't got it before, uh, just email me at mail at clairelyden.co.uk and I'll send you it. Oh, that's very nice of you. I will have to ask for that as long as, in addition to the book you just have written and I have not asked for and I feel like a, I feel like an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we have one final comment from Suze. Suze Snow, a fellow lesbian author, and she is asking if either of us follow a specific story structure or set of guidelines when it comes to writing lesbian romance. I don't know if we want to dive into that or if we actually want to carve that out into an episode. I think we should make that an episode. So we'll come back to it, Suze. All right. Thank you very much for the suggestion. And uh, that's all the comments on my side. What about on your side of the pond? Well, uh, over here, where the sun is shining in London, which is quite unusual for the book, because February's been a very stormy month. But anyway, Alicia said to me, just me, TB, no, she loves the podcast and we crack her up. So thank you, Alicia. And similarly, Kathy says she truly loves the podcast. Um, she says we're so helpful to new writers with all our tips of do's and don'ts and to all of... Um, 
all, all the listeners that are just readers, like Kathy, she says that we make her laugh every single week. So that's nice. Thank you, Aww. Kathy. That's very nice. And we did a lot of what not to do this so far this episode. We did, so. we did. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, possibly one of my favourite ever comments, uh, I've got to say this one, from Denise. She says she's a self-published author and she published her first book five years ago and completed her second two years ago, but she still hasn't published it. So um, have a look at that, Denise, and um, I hope you publish it soon. But the bit that made me smile was she said, over the last seven years, life's had a lot of ups and downs, but including buying a 23-acre pecan orchard stroke event venue and moving back to her hometown. So she listens to Lesbian Who Writes while she mows her pecan orchard with her tractor. What do you think of that? Wow, you can't get more uh, (laughs) That's. But I'm trying to picture... I guess I guess pecans have to come from someplace. I just never figured it was an orchard. Denise so is... So I have to learn some more about this. <laughs> I might need photos of the tractor and everything. I want to see what's going on. Do you know, it sounds to me like, Denise... Denise, if you haven't written a lesbian romance with a woman who owns a pecan orchard, can we can we steal it off you to, to write that? Or, you know... Because <laughs> that sounds to me like a perfect lesbian romance character. I can totally picture the cover yeah. right now. Yes. <laughs> Denise, get on it, get on it. That's all the quest- all the comments even for this week. So let's get on to this week's big question, which is, can you make a full-time living from lesbian fiction? So, TB, yes or no? <laughs> yes. Okay, uh, yes. <laughs> I think we've done this before and it doesn't quite work. <laughs> we kind of have to like dig into it, which um, I know we always tackle these questions in completely different ways. So I don't know who wants to go first. I have outlined, I have um, notes of, I have divided my writing career up into five different stages. <laughs> Hit me. All right. You, you ready for my five stages? Um, I'm sure this is extremely well thought out and organized because that's how I work. That's how I roll, people. Yeah, I'm ready for your five stages of a lesbian fiction author. Okay, so my first stage, obviously, was when I published my first book. <laughs> That was kind of a gimme. So back in um, July 2013, I published my first book, A Woman Lost. And this was before the KU, the Kindle Unlimited days. So when I published this first book, I had done some research about, you know, self-publishing and marketing and everything. But I wasn't sure what to expect. So I went in with very low, very low expectations. I think we know I'm the negative one. You're the whatever comes, whatever. I'm the negative. Oh, my God, the world's going to end. So I went in with very low expectations, and in my first month, I um, sold over 500 copies, and I was stunned. (laughs) I was like, oh my god, 500 people. I was very stunned, and that's when I started to realize, wow, you you can actually make money (laughs) with this career, which was a good thing because I wasn't working at the time. I think we've discussed in the past, um, I started writing full-time when... Uh, my partner's company moved us from Boston to London, and so I had quit my Boston job, and we had a two-year window where um, we were expats, so all of the expenses were paid, so that was the time where I was testing this theory if I can make writing a career. So I didn't have that added pressure of having to make a certain dollar amount. So so that was my first stage where I realized, wow, I, I can actually, I can make money from this. And so my second stage I tracked that started basically in July 2015, and that's when there was a major change 
into the Amazon market. They introduced Kindle Unlimited. And right before they introduced Kindle Unlimited, I had the added bonus of I had just done a freebie promotion on BookBub for my Claudia Must Die, which is totally off-brand for my brand, so I hardly ever mention it on the podcast because it's just the wrong book. I was just about to say, what the fuck is this book? <laughs> yep, <laughs> I the, hardly ever mention it. Who the hell is Claudia? <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't, um... I don't do much with it now. It's still on Amazon, but I have been contemplating taking it down. But the reason I'm mentioning it now is because right before they introduced Kindle Unlimited, I did this free promotion on BookBub and Claudia Must Die. They, I tried to get it for the LGBT category, and they email emailed me back saying, no, we want to put it in the thriller category, which was a higher price. But it paid off for me because I ended up that day giving away 45,000 copies. Wow. And I got a lot of people who weren't normally into lesbian romance onto my newsletter, which I don't recommend people do because it's the, not the best. This was way back before I really understood that you needed to stay in your lane. <laughs> but I did score enough people who became fans of mine over the time, and I got enough of them on my art team where they helped with other launches. So that's why I'm mentioning it because it was like it was just a total – it was the wrong way to go, but it worked out well for me. So given that, and then given the um, KU was introduced in July, I just happened to publish The Miracle Girl on July 6, 2015, within days of KU going to an effect. That book did really, really well. <laughs> it was one of my better launches. So those two accidents, well, I guess the KU wasn't an accident, but like the book bub paired with the uh, KU launch, it really propelled my career to the next level. In May 2016, I released The Chosen One, which at the time was um, my bestseller, and I ended up getting like 500,000 page reads, which was like the first time I, I, I had reached that level of KU reads, and um, I thought, wow. If I had a full-time job, again, I was living in London and I didn't have a full-time job, but I thought at that time, if I had a full-time job, this is when I would quit and when I would I would turn to writing full-time because I was making enough money where I could do that. So how many years was it until then from when you started to when you thought, hey, I could maybe make a full-time living off of this? So I published A Woman Lost in July 2013, and The Chosen One came out in May 2016, so almost three years. Okay. So I think I'm, I think I'm about, am I similar-ish to you? Yeah, probably similar-ish. So uh, uh, similar to you, when I, when I launched my first book, um, I had no expectations, and I had no idea what I was doing or anything, and I just put it out there, and it, and it sold quite a lot, and uh, way more than I expected, considering I expected... 10 no maybe 50 with friends and family but I got a lot more than that and so uh 2014 I was just like I was a bit I was a bit giddy that was a giddy year I got married I launched my first book um and I was just riding that wave I launched a second book it didn't do quite as well I put it into KU I didn't really like it I took it out again but it still did okay 2015 um I published another couple of books the money kept coming in, but I was I wasn't I wasn't doing it full time at that point. I was still part time. I was still um, working as a music consultant. It was only twenty sixteen that I went full time and decided 
So probably two years after I started, I went full time and decided that I must try and make a full time living out of this. When I when I started uh, publish, writing and publishing, I'd been made redundant from my main job, but I still had a part time consulting career. It became apparent to me in 2016 that the part time consulting career was drying up, and unless I wanted to really pursue new leads, uh, I didn't really want to do that. So I should um, pursue the writing career. So two years um, afterwards, and it was probably about year three, at the end of that year, that I made enough money that I could could consider it a full-time job so three years three years it took you three years it took you interesting now I want to go back to you your first book you launched because you didn't know it at the time but since you had your street team in place which was all your friends and family and for listeners who haven't listened to the previous episode Claire has a very large family friend base in London <laughs> and so you had this street team in place that you didn't know you put together so your launch must have gone a lot better than A Woman Lost. You must have sold way more than 500 copies. Yeah, I did. Shall I look it up? Because I, I kind of, when I was doing it, um, I didn't have an art team. I didn't have a street team. I just kind of hit the button and just pressed my hands together and hoped that things would go well. So uh, for London Calling, in the first month, I sold nearly 2,000 copies. Yeah, that's what I was going to guess. Because I remember when you did release it, that it was like, at the top of the charts for a very long time, and I hated you. <laughs> <laughs> Look how things can turn around, TV. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, but... I, I shouldn't say I hated you, but I was very surprised because it was your first book, and I was like, how the fuck did she manage this with her first book? <laughs> but I think it was just a matter of timing, and it was just a case of, I think it would be a lot harder to even sell 500 copies now. And it was a, similar to a, a thing I heard on a podcast today. As a, Lee Childs said that nobody now could have the career he had. They couldn't do it now because publishing has changed. Similarly, I think it would be very, very hard to sell 2,000 copies of a book in your first month um, like I did because publishing has changed. Um, the landscape has changed. What people are prepared to spend their money on has changed. And also... Um, just the competition. There's a lot more competition for people's eyeballs. I'm not just talking about books. I'm talking about other media. So it, it is difficult, more difficult in a way. But there again, there's lots more avenues that you can make money now uh, with publishing. So is it is it easier or, or more difficult to earn a living? Um, I, it's, it's just, it's different now. Things have changed, yeah. but things always change. So you just have to prepare for that. But yeah, so, but even though I, I you know, sold quite a lot of copies in my first month, it still wouldn't be a full-time living. Um, and I wasn't prepared, like, with my next book. I had it, I had the first draft written, but I didn't bring it out for another nine months. So you can't really survive on two books a year. And I think that's the difference in what we both have done since then. Because once you start taking it full-time, like you're doing it full-time, and taking it, or taking it really seriously as a business, then you realise that the key to making a living as a full-time lesbian fiction author is persistent output. Consistent? Persistent? Both of those things, right? Um, I think I think both. Yeah, <laughs> we'll call an editor. I think both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, consistent output and just being being present and connecting with your readers. That's how you make a full time living, and it's not like a guarantee. And like we both said, um, it took us both three years to get to the point where we thought, yeah, this could actually be a viable career. Yes, but then my stage three. <laughs> so I I have to. It sounds like we're talking about cancer or something, which is terrible. I should have named it something else. But so when I hit that third 
I'm going to go stage because I can't think of another word right now. Um, after publishing The Chosen One and really thinking, hey, this is this is what I want to do for a living. This is how I'm going to make a living forever. <laughs> um, I found out that I was moving to Ireland and I couldn't work while I was there, which meant I couldn't publish anything new. So that was a huge setback. So that, that, that time in my life was a bit low for my writing career. And then when I finally moved back to the United Kingdom, I, I implemented stage four, which was I kind of had to reintroduce myself to the lesbian market. And I was more prepared this time than I was when I released A Woman Lost. So what happened was during that time in Ireland, since I couldn't publish, I was still writing. So I had more books ready to go. So if I, I, I often wonder if I had pulled back in 2013 and had prepared, studied the market a bit more and then released my first book and then released another book within a month or two, what it would have, how it would have transformed my career. And I kind of have a flavor of that now because I did have to restart. Basically I was out of the publishing business for 18 months, which in the publishing business is almost a lifetime. <laughs> so I had more books. And so I was noticing that when I was publishing more, it was becoming easier to gain traction. And so my income was increasing, but then I had yet another little blip, another little setback because um, you guys did Brexit. I had just arrived in the UK. I was starting to publish again. We had just gotten five-year visas. We were supposed to stay in London for five years. I was supposed to have stability. And then Brexit um, started. There was a lot of confusion about what was actually going to happen, if it was going to go through. And my partner's company got spooked. And so they yanked the Americans back. So I had to put everything on hold yet again to do another international move. So then my final stage, it was when I got settled back in the U.S. And I still had books to publish. And I was doing it consistently. And I was also able to release audiobooks. And so I, I pretty much consistently had stuff coming out every couple months. And as we mentioned in our um, How Did 2019 Years Go, I, I doubled my income and last year was my best year ever. And it just goes to show that when you do, with each book you publish, which was what we talk about quite a bit, um, you're adding to your backlist. So when you do a new launch, you're not only getting the bump from the increase of a new book, you're getting the bump because people are finding that new book and then they're going and dipping into your backlist. And so you're kind of getting a double bump. And the more that, and I know this is hard for people who do have full-time jobs and they want to do this as a career, and it takes longer because they have work, family, and other commitments. But the one way, at least in my humble opinion, and from my personal publishing experience, the way to set your career where you can do it full-time and where you can support yourself and pay your bills is you have to be consistent. You have to keep adding to your backlist. You have to keep looking for other avenues um, like with, with audiobooks and paperback and eBooks. It's not just all eBooks. Um, we have website stuff, which I won't go into stuff like that. You have to keep looking for other, what we would call income funnels. Do you, what do you think? Do you agree with that? I do agree with that. Um, and I think, I think it just takes time. Um, no one's very good. No one's very good when they start any career. And um, so I think that, you know, hopefully our books have got better as time has gone on. Um, but also we know more what we're doing um, as time has gone on. 
And so we've both been in this for like six, seven years. And so we understand the business. You know, I left a job uh, in 2013 where I was paid well. I was, uh, you know, I had a team of seven around Europe. Um, I had a good job. But when I when I got made redundant, um, I decided that this was the career path I was going to go down. But I wasn't expecting to replace that income straight away. It would have been great if I could, but I wasn't expecting to. But like you said, if I'd have known what I'd known uh, when I started in 2014, 2015, if I'd known what I'd known in 2018 and applied it, then I could have maybe replaced the income stream. Who knows? But you don't know that when you're starting out and you make mistakes. Um, and I think that it goes kind of goes to show that any small business... Um, has peaks and troughs and it's just like every book that you uh, publish maybe the, the book that you publish doesn't do as well straight out of the gate and maybe you might be a little sad about it but it might do well in going down you know sort of the following year or it might be perk up a series um, but you might have a really great launch or some other thing might not hit you know like I, I, I see a lot with online businesses um, at the moment so there's a so there's a company called Carhartt and I really like their sweatshirts and their zippy, zippy up tops and I've been trying to get by this particular sweatshirt at Carhartt for ages and I keep trying to buy it and it's not in uh, but they just keep having flash sales and when people have sales it generally means that they're either a their stuff's not shifting or b they just want to um, keep you aware of their product and offer you things that will draw you back in. I got that sweatshirt reader at a third of the price, and I'm very happy. Thanks, Carhartt. But it just goes to show that even a brand like Carhartt understands the value of keeping you aware of its goods, and so that it, when you come back into that, then you'll be more engaged with its emails, and you might buy something else. And it's the same with books. So the way we make, carry on making full-time living is to learn uh, work full-time hours, produce consistent content, learn marketing, connect with readers, get a mailing list, learn advertising, be nice, don't be an asshole, uh, and take care of your mental health and your physical health. All these things, it's not a one, there's not a bullet that says, yes, you will. Because it's not necessarily the case that if you publish a lesbian fiction novel, you're going to make a full-time living straight out of the gate. You might, who knows? And and also, we should also say that a full-time living would be different for wherever you are right a full-time living for someone like me living in London took a little while longer to get there um whereas you know now I've overtaken the money I was earning in my old job but for somebody who's living somewhere else in the world that's a lot cheaper they could be very wealthy they could and also I just want to mention something else like for my my background with the the few setbacks I did have I think one of the most important things that helped me get to this level was, and I was when I was writing my notes last night. I thought about the um, the JLo uh, video you you linked to on Twitter. I just kept going. Yeah. Even though, even though, like when I found out I I wasn't going to for that long, I was devastated, and I think I cried. <laughs> and we have a role in our family. Like when you hit, when you get really, really bad news, we'll give you like three days to like let it. Just let it sink in. Eat all the ice cream you want to eat. But after, on day four, you get out of bed and you fucking keep going. You figure out a way around it and you keep going. And it's one of those things that helped me have the career I have now, which is the career I've always wanted since I was 11 years old. And so um, I could have given up. I could have quit back in 2016 and said, oh, the world's against me. I didn't. And now I'm still doing what I love to do. 
Ah, oh, you brought a tear to my eye then. It's nice. <laughs> I did not. I'm the, looking at you and there's no tear. <laughs> the career you wanted since you were 11. I love that. I love it. Um, yeah, and I will say that, as I said, the, this career has ups and downs. And sometimes, like, if you have a down, like... Um, 2014 and 2015 were formative years. I, I wasn't doing it full time. I was treating it like a hobby. 2016, I started doing it for real. And um, and I made, you know, what some people would consider to be a full time living. It wasn't what I was earning before, but it was okay. Um, I, but I made mistakes, a lot of them. And I paid for them in 2017, where my, where my income went down. So it actually went down slightly in 2017. It was a bit of a wobble, but I knew I had to keep going. I knew I just had to change my strategy slightly um, and reframe my mindset. Uh, mental mental health is very, very important in this business because no one's going to do it for you. Um, you have to take care of your own mental health. And so I did. And then 2018, I had my best year yet. And 2019, I had my best year yet. But it's not... It You just have to keep changing and adapting and it's nothing... You know, you can't just say, yes, I'm just going to put out some lesbian romance novels and and they'll sell and I'll make a full-time living. No, you have to connect with your readers and you have to do all the things that we say every week. And we, we've highlighted them in, in our, all of our episodes so far. And also the other thing, as TB says, it's not just about ebooks. It's about print. It's about audio. It's about translations. It's about other options like Patreon, like merchandise, like signed copies, bookshop sales. You know, you could you could try and get a film deal, a radio deal, an audio deal. You could do an online course. I mean, I believe in in diversifying, and um, I think I counted up the amount of revenue streams that I have coming into my bank account every month, and uh, it's over thirty. And some of them are really small. Some of them are like thirty three p, but some of them are bigger. <laughs> That's a good job, isn't it? Because if they're all thirty three p, I'd be a bit sad. <laughs> yeah, but I have the same thing because I have. I mean, we just went through the end of the month, so I was reconciling my checking account, and, like, I write down what income I'm making, and then some of it is, like, I think I got, like, 89-cent payment, but also I got other payments that were much larger, and it all adds up. Everything, like Claire said, everything, every income, different income funnel you can get, it does add up, but I will say you also have to, if you do this work full-time, you have to prepare for the slow periods. Because we can't, we don't produce books every month. So um, we have really good months and then we have really slow months. And we have to know ahead of time that there's sometimes when you look at your checking account, it's not going to be the number you really want. (laughs) No, it won't be. But you have to, uh, just like a squirrel stores nuts in its cheeks, you have to store all the money in your cheeks for those months that aren't as as, uh, cheeky. Isn't that right, TV? <laughs> I'm just trying to picture me cramming all the coins in my cheek. And then I'm like, oh, Jeremy, Jeremy, no. <laughs> That's the thing with this business. You don't get a set paycheck every month. And some months you'll have an absolutely amazing month. And you'll think, oh, my God, if every month could just be like this, we'll all be millionaires, Rodney. But it's not. And it's never going to be. And so, um, and it will average out in the end. It is surprising the, if you just keep going and keep producing books and keep being a nice person and helping other people and connecting with other readers and other authors, how quickly you can suddenly be making a living. Yes. Yes. I agree. And that is where we're going to leave it. So we hope we've inspired you to all become lesbian romance authors uh, and try and make a full-time living like us. Right? As long as you don't launch a book the same week we do, because then we just don't want competition. <laughs> 
totally kidding. <laughs> All right. Well, um, thank you very much for being here this week. This is Claire jumping back in from the future. Amazing. I am on holiday, but I did record this just a little bit before. So next week uh, is episode 88 if my maths are correct and it's going to be an ask us anything episode so please do send your questions in we can't do this episode without questions from you ask us anything about writing craft politics our lives how we get up every morning i don't know it's a miracle anyway write in email us facebook us tweet us instagram me comment on the website do write in and we'll see you all next week for a normal episode of Lesbians Who Write. Have a great week. Bye. Thanks for listening to Lesbians Who Write. Listen in every week for more conversations on writing and lesbian fiction. And you can make sure you never miss an episode by signing up to our newsletter at lesbianswhowrite.com. Also, if you could take a moment to leave a review wherever you listen to this podcast, it would help more people to discover us. Thanks so much and see you next time.